The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Friday edition of PFTPM, Justin Hardy. You know that... You got to have passion like that to be successful at the highest level of football. It is rough, it is tough, and it can get uh, violent on a football field. Even though the game has changed dramatically in recent years, it still requires a lot of heart, a lot of brain, and a lot of effort, and a lot of God-given skill. Nothing that I have or need to get through an hour of talking about football. We're just talking about football. Shereen Williams, Mike Florio here with you for the next hour. A very busy week, ending with another very busy day, Shereen. And the busy days will continue because even though free agency has been with us all week long, there are still plenty of guys out there looking for jobs. God, just when you think it slows down, Mike, last night I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get a break. I'm going to eat before 8 or 8.30 tonight. Just a flurry of them. So I expect that for the next few days until we calm down. Probably sometime early next week, I would think it would start to slow down a little bit. But it's just one after another. Usually what happens is the big money flows over the first four or five days, and then it dries up after that. This year may be different because there really wasn't big money per se. There wasn't that ridiculous spending. Could be some teams deliberately holding back. It could be something that that really just kind of stays at a moderate level for a couple of weeks as some of these guys who are still out there, some big names, recognizable names, headlined by Kenny Galladay, we'll talk about him coming up, are looking for their next NFL stops. The first guy, though, that we need to talk about is one of the big names on the market. We've kept our eye on the possibility that receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, Steelers MVP 2018, a bit of news that really brought about the end of Antonio Brown's time in Pittsburgh. We thought Smith-Schuster would move on, but when the big money didn't flow in his direction, staying in Pittsburgh became an option. One year, $8 million deal. They used voidable years to drive down the cap charge because they don't have the cap space. The Ravens were the other team that was a finalist for Juju. That would have been something if he'd gone to Baltimore. I'm told that Baltimore offered more on the base amount of $9 million for one year, not $8 million, plus incentives up to another $3.5 million more, Shereen. But Juju decides to continue his career in Pittsburgh for a year, and then maybe next year he's in a position to make more on the open market. And, Mike, they just now announced this deal and announced the voidable years on the back end. So it is official now. And we said yesterday this was probably the best move for him if he wasn't going to get the big money that he thought it was going to get. And, obviously, he didn't get that big money, that multi-year deal, that the best move on a one-year deal was to go back to Pittsburgh, a place you're familiar with, a place where Ben Roethlisberger knows you very well, a place where you can go – Prove yourself perhaps this year and get a bigger deal next year when there's going to be more money on the market. So I think this was a good move for for Juju uh, Smith-Schuster to return to Pittsburgh. Yes, he turned down bigger uh, deals elsewhere. Kansas City and the Eagles also reportedly were, were in on him. Eagles weren't. Eagles weren't. As much. The Eagles weren't. Eagles okay. weren't. Chiefs no, maybe were. Uh, Ravens yeah. for sure. So 
he had options to go elsewhere for more money, but it wasn't enough, Mike, to entice him to leave Pittsburgh. So he gets a chance to go back and, and get a bigger deal next year on the open market. Chiefs got involved too late to get his attention, and the number wasn't enough to get his attention. He was locked into the Steelers or the Ravens. And look, if he'd gone to the Ravens, the risk he's taking is he's rarely going to see the football. In Pittsburgh, I don't know how he fits into that depth chart now, Shereen, because they've got some good young receivers there, and I'm surprised they felt compelled to bring him back. One more year with Ben Roethlisberger could help. Next year, though, when the Steelers presumably step into their post-Ben existence, that's when it's going to make sense for Juju to move on because when free agency begins, unless the Steelers pull off a trade that we're going to know about before free agency begins, Juju would be taking a job to stay in Pittsburgh without knowing with certainty who the Steelers quarterback would be in 2022, which would make it harder for him depending upon who the quarterback is, to have the kind of year that he would want in 2022 to cash in in 23. So I think the plan is have a big year, see what's out there next year, and then next year maybe it's Baltimore or Kansas City or the Jets or somewhere else for Juju Smith-Schuster. But uh, an upset for him to stay in Pittsburgh, a good outcome for the Steelers. And as you said, the deal is now official. The deal is announced. Juju is sticking around for year number Five, far less than what the franchise tag would have been. Some people were surprised he didn't franchise tag him. Well, he's not a number one receiver. And that's something that one executive told me today. One of the reasons why the free agency money isn't there for the receivers this year, apart from the fact that there are plenty of good young receivers coming into the league every year now, there's no clear number one out there. There's no guy that you're going to game plan against. Kenny Galladay, if he's healthy, maybe. Chris Godwin's not a number one guy. I'm still surprised the Buccaneers franchise tagged him. Allen Robinson, as of yesterday, I'm not signing my franchise tag. Then the Bears flirt with Kenny Galladay, and what happens? Allen Robinson beats a path to the franchise tender and signs the thing because the Bears may have realized, why are we paying this guy $17.9 million when the market just isn't there? So smart move by Juju to get what he can and to focus Shireen on next year. And some of these other guys, like Galladay, got to be wondering what what's what's really going to be out there once we get into the second week of free agency. No question, Mike. It's been a weird year for these receivers and something we sort of expected going into free agency. Two interesting things about Juju's contract – a, he is the, the third receiver to sign a second contract with the Steelers in the modern era. The other two, of course, are Heinz Ward and A.B. got those second contracts. Even if it isn't the multi-year deal he wanted, he will stay on a second contract for, for one year. And the other thing you look at with the Steelers, Mike, is how much they've sacrificed on defense. Uh, they're, they're up against the cap. As we said, we know that. Squeezed. But they've lost four defensive guys who were key to that defense last year. Bud Dupree, Mike Hilton, Vince Williams, and Tyson Alulu. They played 2,100 snaps among them last year. That's an awful lot of snaps for a really good defense. So Juju going back to this team, to me, puts a lot on the offense to get this done because the defense may not be quite as good as what it has been last year and previous years because we know that defense has carried the Steelers. So a lot to me is riding on Big Ben, finding a rejuvenation for one more year and trying to get over the hump, and now he's got his receiver back to be able to try to do that.
at age 39 and just two years removed from his elbow going in week two. So I I still believe that by the time we get to November or December, both sides are going to say, why did we do this as it relates to Ben and the Steelers? One last note on Galladay. There was a report earlier today that the Ravens were interested. I believe, I don't know this, but I believe that was just part of the juju negotiating stuff and the Ravens aren't going to pivot to Galladay now that Juju has decided to stay put with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Justin Simmons, Broncos safety staying put. You're two of the franchise tag. And it's always difficult to value a guy long-term in the second year of the tag because a third tag for Justin Simmons would have been either a 44% raise over this year or quarterback money, which means it was this year and then free agency for Justin Simmons. But they found a way to get it done. Highest paid safety for now until the next highest paid safety. But Justin Simmons sticks around in Denver. That was a move they needed to make. And George Payton so far keeping two key players on defense in place. Simmons and deciding to pick up the $7 million option on the $18 million salary of Von Miller. And they tried to work it out with Kareem Jackson and couldn't make that work, Mike. But they did keep these two big guys and they signed Ronald Darby. So this defense looks improved from last year when they were 25th against the run and 21st in overall defense. If Vaughn can stay healthy and get back to his 2018 form, we didn't see it in 2019 under double-digit sacks. And, of course, we didn't see him at all last year with that ankle injury in the first week of practice. So this, to me, was two big keeps by the Broncos. I love it when when teams keep their own players, guys they've drafted and developed and and think they're going to be core players for them. I love when they do that. I love these two moves by the Broncos to give Vaughn, in the last year of his contract, a reason to go out there, stay healthy, and get it done, and then obviously signing Justin Simmons long-term. These are great moves to me. Yeah, and look, the Broncos are still in the market for a quarterback, I believe. I think George Payton, new GM, not sold on Drew Locke, and we could see a move at some point, maybe a guy drafted at number nine. And the other thing about Vaughn Miller, I don't rule out a trade of Vaughn Miller. I think that Payton may have made a $7 million investment in holding the right to do something with Vaughn later. And maybe it's Vaughn plus the ninth overall pick that allows the Broncos to move up to get a quarterback that they want before one of these other teams in the top five that may be looking at a quarterback. So I don't rule out anything because George Payton is new to all of this. He's got no vested interest in any of these guys. He's got no pride of discovering and developing any of these players. So I think that even though the focus has been defense, Shireen, ultimately he's going to pivot to addressing the most important position on the team because I don't think that the Broncos are thrilled with what they have in Drew Locke. No question about that, Mike. And Broncos fans just hope that George Payton is better at evaluating young quarterbacks than the guy before him, John Elway, because we know he did not do a good job of drafting quarterbacks. Obviously, they won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, but had to do it with with one of the all-time greats. They they haven't been able to develop their own guys. So that's what Broncos fans hope, Mike, that if they're going to draft a quarterback, that George Payton is better at determining who that guy is. Desmond Trufant, veteran cornerback, signing a one-year deal with the Chicago Bears. They will be releasing Kyle Fuller. I'm not sure that they officially have yet. I saw the report last night that they would. My first thought when I see a report that a guy's about to be cut is that 
the team is going to let it breathe for a day to see if they can work out a trade because that happens all the time. But between Akeem Hicks, who's been given permission to seek a trade, and Kyle Fuller, who's going to be gone, that was a point that Matt Casey whispered into my ear this morning during PFT Live. Sounds like we've found the two starters who were – who, who were offered to the Seattle Seahawks for... Why shouldn't I give him credit? I'm just kidding. Just give okay. him Matt a hard I, I time. Thought I, was, I thought I was missing something. Well, the problem is the problem is it took on a life of its own. Matt's suggestion, tongue-in-cheek, that, well, we found the two starters <laughs> that the Bears were offering to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. People thought like he was reporting that that's the name. No, it's just common sense. Two starters who weren't named were offered. And then two days later, we see they're getting rid of Kyle Fuller and potentially Keem Hicks. So yeah, those are the two obvious names that come to mind. That's all that was. But it's amazing that it, that people who should have known better were duped by that. And, and not even, there was a dupe. There was no intention to dupe anybody. It was just kind of a, a joke. Like, well, those are the two starters because the Bears are now trying to get rid of them even though they couldn't uh, put them in potentially the package for Russell Wilson. And th- this Bears, you know, the Bears offense has gotten a lot of our attention. Without Akeem Hicks, yeah. now Kyle Fuller wasn't great last year, but without Akeem Hicks, that's a different defense. And I don't care who's on the back end, Desmond Trufant, Deion Sanders, I don't care. If you can't get some push up front, and what Akeem Hicks did as a run stuffer the past couple of years, they got their work cut out for themselves if they're not going to have him this season. Boy, this looks like a team to me, Mike, that's ready to almost rebuild. New GM, new coach, perhaps after the season. I know they're on the hot seat this season, so they're going to have to prove it with the big year with Andy Dalton as their quarterback and perhaps Nick Foles as their quarterback and whoever they draft as their quarterback but they face a lot of pressure this season, and I just don't see this roster being able to do what Bears ownership expects them to do, Mike. Yeah, uh, and and I, I made the point earlier today that having Andy Dalton at quarterback kind of lowers the bar and makes it easier to succeed, yeah. but, but losing guys like Akeem Hicks makes it much, much tougher to succeed, whatever the bar is. We have seen the difference in that defense when he's not on the field. Ryan Finley, we saw the difference when he was on the field last year, especially in that Monday night game against the Steelers when the Bengals found a way to win. Finley will be traded to the Texans rather than be released. This is another one of those, oh, they're going to release Ryan Finley until they don't. Now another quarterback added to the depth chart in Houston, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Finley, and we're going to talk about the guy who's currently number one on the depth chart, whether he'll be with the Texans or anyone Taylor and Finley will be on that roster. And you know, Finley, Finley showed something. Finley is serviceable. Finley is a guy that if you if you need him to play, if Tyrod Taylor can't go, if Deshaun Watson's not there, I'm I'm not all that upset about the possibility of Ryan Finley being on the team. No, I agree with you, Mike. And he showed what he could do in that game against Pittsburgh when they ended the Steelers winning streak, right? He played really well in that game. So I think this was a decent move by the Texans. I am curious, and, and I don't know where we go to look for this, Mike, on what the number of new players on a team is in a 53-man roster. Somebody has to have that somewhere, but this was the 26th player. Of course, they may not all make the roster. I get that, the opening day roster, but the 26th player outside the organization that the Texans have added, this is just adding up. They're going to be a completely new team, and we know these things – especially without an off-season program if they don't have on-field work. Woo, 
whew, this is going to be a different team than we've seen ever before, and who knows how they would do with all these new players, Mike. New offense, new defense, new new everything. I guess the offensive coordinator stays the same, but it's going to be a weird dynamic for the Texans with all these new players. You need a scorecard to keep track. Feels like an expansion team, really. Yeah, it does. The Texans setting yeah. the clock back to 2002, their first year in the National Football League, and uh, it feels like they're in the midst of a of a long-term rebuild that will be continuing for all of David Culley's tenure, however long it may be, and beyond. Now, we, we mentioned Deshaun Watson, and we need to pivot now to the latest developments in this ever-growing list of lawsuits filed against him by women who claim misconduct within the confines of massages. And the numbers are getting larger and larger. They're up to 12. Tony Busby had a press conference today. He's got 10 more, 10 more on top of the 12 who are potentially going to be filing suit. Let's listen to some of the highlights from Busby's press conference today, and then we will analyze what he had to say on the other side. We are now representing 12 women. Uh, and we will file the remaining cases, uh, the additional five cases, in due course as we do our due diligence. You should also know that we've also spoken to more than 10 additional women. So more than, more than 22 women that we've spoken to uh, who have reported conduct similar to that laid out in our public filings. You should know that at least one of uh, these women was referred to Deshaun Watson by the Texans organization. Uh, as late or as recent as last week, uh, the quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, referred uh, Deshaun Watson to one of my clients. The case ain't about money. And it's certainly not, not about seeking publicity or fame. I personally don't need it. <laughs> and these women don't want it. This case is about female empowerment, taking the power back, and I need to dispel some silly rumors. Yes, I live on River Oaks Boulevard, and I live near the McNair family. I don't know the McNair family. I, I, I wouldn't recognize Cal or Hal, whatever his name is, if I saw him on the street. This case has nothing to do with the Texans, it has nothing to do with free agency, the timing. I don't know anything about that silliness, and I don't, frankly don't care about it. Texans are not a team that I follow. This case is instead about women, brave women, brave women who are willing to step forward knowing that they will be criticized and ostracized. And we should all get behind them, applaud them for their bravery, and support them. So at least 22 individuals who have contacted Tony Busby, and Busby has been very aggressive in soliciting these types of cases. It's been a long time since I practiced law. There are certain lines that you're not supposed to cross when it comes to solicitation of clients. There are certain things you're not supposed to do. There are plenty of lawyers who nevertheless do those things. I assume since he did it so publicly, he's within the confines of whatever the Texas Bar Association allows, Shireen. But I... I, 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 I feel like it's gotten to the point where he has become so identified with this that for some of these individuals, they may be better off with other lawyers. It may be time for someone else to get involved and handle these cases because Busby, I think, 
is becoming such a major driving force in this, such a major personality in this. When he says it's not about money, it's not about fame or publicity, while he's doing a press conference, let me call a press conference for publicity so I can say this isn't about publicity. Are you kidding me? If it's not about publicity, quit putting things on social media and don't call a press conference. So, look, I made this point earlier today when it was only seven. With each additional individual, it becomes harder to believe that it's all one big accident, that it's all one big embellishment, that it's all one big fabrication. The numbers eventually overwhelm any alternative explanation. Then there is predatory behavior that is happening. But you undermine your clients when your lawyer is acting like a carnival barker. And he can deny it all he wants, Shireen. But Tony Busby is acting like a carnival barker, and that could hurt the efforts of his clients to get the justice they deserve. Yeah, no question, Mike, and, and completely agree with it. I just said the, the same thing earlier, with just the numbers adding up. I mean, we've seen some of these cases with other people in other places and other fields, and, and the numbers just get to a point where you're going, all of these women can't be lying. We don't know exactly what happened, but, you know, I, we'll see how this plays out. I did note in the press conference, he talked about the Houston Police Department is now investigating this, looking at criminal charges. If uh, if the investigation leads that way, that's one thing, Mike. And, and the other is, you know, Deshaun Watson has retained Rusty Harden, who hasn't said a lot, but he's one of the biggest, most well-known lawyers in Houston and perhaps in the country. You know, he's defended people like Roger Clemens and Warren Moon and, and Adrian Peterson. So he knows how these things work. But agree with you, if, if there's more women out there, they may look a different direction and go to a different lawyer and, and, uh, and handle it that way, as opposed to Tony Busby, who obviously has sought publicity out of this. I mean, he's talked, he's held press conferences, he's done all of that stuff. These, these lawsuits all say that they are seeking minimum jurisdictional amounts. Well, it's written in a way to create the impression that it's not about money. But then when you get to the last page of the lawsuit, you see the stack of items of compensation and punitive damages that are being sought. So don't fall for the idea that it's not about money. And that's okay. It's allowed to be about money. That's how certain grievances are addressed. That's how justice is meted out. That's the whole purpose of the civil justice system. Someone does something to you that is wrong, and you get compensation for it, for your financial losses, for the injury to your your overall mental well-being. There's a value that's placed on that, just like pain and suffering. If you're in a car accident, you get compensated for your hospital bills, for your pain and suffering. That's how it works. That's the system. So don't act like the system isn't what it is. Tony Busby, and if you look through his Instagram page, that big house and that swimming pool and that Bentley at the airport, those are all paid for by the money that he's earned on behalf of his clients. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's the American way. There are plenty of lawyers out there who have made good livings for themselves handling cases like this. Just don't give me that BS. It's not about the money. Of course it's about the money because that's how you level the playing field between the powerful and the powerless. You just don't give them a stern talking to. You make them pay. That is what teaches them a lesson and teaches everyone else out there. There's a societal benefit to this, that you can't get away with this if Deshaun Watson is guilty. And the message to anyone else out there who's either doing this stuff 
thinking about doing it, thinking they've gotten away with it. The message is there are people out there who will hold you accountable. So I'm, I'm conflicted as it relates to Tony Busby because he is serving a valuable purpose. The civil justice system is there to give the people who don't have power the opportunity to, to speak the ultimate truth to power. And that truth is you will be forking over some of your money for what you did to me. So I support that. I used to do that for a living, but I don't respect the way he's doing it. That's the the needle I'm trying to thread here, Shireen. Yeah, and and Mike, you pointed out this yesterday too, and I think it's an important part of this is Deshaun Watson put him in these himself in these situations. So a lesson to other athletes. If you put yourself in this situation, have somebody with you, have your wife there, have your girlfriend there, videotape it, whatever, but have some evidence that nothing happened while you were getting this massage that anyone could come back and say something did happen. Cover yourself in all situations, Mike, and I think that's an important part that other players, other athletes can take out of this. See, on one hand, and this is another area where I'm conflicted, and I'm trying to respect the rights of the individuals. We don't know their names, and we may never know their names until these cases go to trial because they're all exercising their right to file under the Jane Doe pseudonym. You balance their rights against Deshaun's rights. He's got rights, too. But, you know, from his perspective, the easy response is, the massage is an inherently intimate act and there are certain things that could happen during the confines of the massage that just happened. That doesn't mean it's assault. Okay, fine. That's fine. You have the, you have the right to try to prove that. But when I look at it, you, take a step back. It's like this, this is the, if you're a predator, this is the perfect environment to try to be a predator and have the ability to say, I, I'm just, it's just a massage. I, 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 I wasn't doing anything. It's just a massage. I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable. It's just a massage. So th- th- this is this is a tough one. But the problem is with each additional person, with each additional lawsuit, the it was an accident. It was a misunderstanding. It wasn't assault. It wasn't deliberate. It wasn't predatory. It becomes harder and harder to sell that. That's the problem, Shireen, that Deshaun Watson has. And. And doesn't it make it harder, Mike, for these to go away, to, to pay these off? I mean, if there's 22, 23 of these, are you going to pay off 22, 23 people? Are you going to settle with them? That's an awful lot of money to pay these people, Mike. Here's what I think happened. I don't know this, but what I think happened was the initial person approached Tony Busby. Busby approached Deshaun Watson's agent, or if they had Rusty Harden involved, whoever, and they had these pre-lawsuit negotiations. Deshaun Watson acknowledged that himself in the tweet that surfaced on Tuesday night. That's how I first even became aware of it. Before I even saw the first lawsuit, Deshaun self-publicized the incident and talked about efforts to settle the case, and he wasn't going to pay a six-figure settlement, and the lawyer says it's not about money. Well, I mean, Deshaun, you and your agent and lawyer should know that that's baloney, and it is about money. But when, when, when you see, I, my guess is somebody pissed off Tony Busby And that's when he threw the door open to solicit more clients. And it just so happened it was an avalanche. And all these people reaching out. And here we go. We've got 22 now. So, uh, look, if Deshaun is guilty of this behavior, he deserves everything that comes along with it. If he's not guilty of it, 
you know, this this is a stupidity tax for putting yourself in the position, but it's going to be harder and harder for the court of public opinion. Two courts of law. Well, two courts, court of law, yeah. court of public opinion. It's going to be harder and harder for the people in the court of public opinion to think that this is all one big accident or misunderstanding. And uh, it, it's just amazing how quickly someone's reputation can be forever changed, especially when three days ago, if we were making a list of the last people in the NFL that we thought would be accused of something like this, if there was a list of five people that we would have made three days ago, I guarantee you one of the names on that list would have been Deshaun Watson. At least for me. Yeah, it I think he probably, yeah, I think he probably would have been one of the five for me. No question about it, Mike. And you wouldn't have ever identified him with something like this. But yet here we are. And, you know, teams are going to have to take a step back now. If the Texans are really, truly interested in trading him, they're going to want to know more about this before there's any kind of trade toss. Before you're giving up that much compensation for somebody, you want to know how this thing's going to play out. And it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible that Deshaun Watson did things he shouldn't have done and will face justice eventually for it. And Tony Busby is carnival barker, snake oil salesman that just happened to be, in this case, selling something that isn't snake oil. That he got, he got, he kind of got lucky and fell into meritorious cases. And I'm not saying he handles frivolous cases. I'm just saying the way he's conducting this troubles me, but it's entirely possible all 22 of his clients are telling the complete and total truth and ultimately will prevail in litigation against Deshaun Watson. The thing that bugs me the most about Busby, because I look, when you practice law, you're trained to constantly spot behaviors, comments, facial expressions, anything that would make you think something is amiss. And when this issue comes up of potential collusion with the Texans, and Tony Busby, based upon the clip we played, it looked like he raised it himself. He wasn't asked that question. He raised it himself. Silly rumors. Yes, I live near the McNairs. When he says, I don't know Cal or Hal or whatever his name is, that does not pass through my BS detector. Everyone in Houston knows who Cal McNair is. When you try to downplay it by saying Cal or Hal or whatever his name is, that tells me you're trying to hide something. That tells me that there is a connection. And that, 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 this is just my opinion based upon what he said. But, Shereen, didn't that strike you as odd for him to say Cal or Hal or whatever his name is? Is there any doubt that his name is Cal McNair if you live in Houston? Everyone in Houston grew up down there. Everyone in Houston knows who Tony Busby is. Everyone in Houston knows who Cal McNair is. Everyone in Houston knows who Rusty Harden is. They know the principal players in this. I guarantee you Tony Busby knows Cal McNair. They run in the same circles. They live in the same neighborhood. There is no question they know each other. So, yes, that does not pass the test for me. And this idea that he doesn't follow the team, I don't know what team he's a fan of, but he has on his Instagram feed, January of this year, it's been seven years since he posted a billboard to get his friend and neighbor, Mr. McNair, presumably Bob McNair, to draft who, Shireen? Who did he want him to draft? Do you Johnny remember? Johnny Manziel. That's Johnny right. Manziel. He went to AM just like Johnny did. Yeah. So you can't say you don't follow the Texans when you just hyped right. two months ago a billboard you purchased seven years ago to get the local football team to draft Johnny Manziel. So, again, it, it, this is difficult. 
But these things aren't mutually exclusive. It's possible that Tony Busby is not telling us the whole truth and nothing but the truth about his motivations and what he knows and whether or not there may be some collusion there. And let me tell you, if I'm the NFL, I'm very curious after hearing Tony Busby today to wonder whether or not this fuse was lit in some way by the Texans. I'd want to explore that if I was the league. But it's still entirely possible that Deshaun Watson is guilty of 22 instances of assault. So uh, a difficult situation for everyone involved. And as we cover the NFL, when these stories come up, we don't go looking for them. They come our way. And it's not within our our purview to ignore them. We have to flesh them out and we have to inform people. We have to analyze them. And obviously this is something we'll be following for weeks, months, maybe years to come, depending upon how long it takes the legal system to process these cases. And also the NFL now actively investigating these cases. And at a certain point, and the NFL's personal conduct policy, in my mind, Shereen, is driven by PR. At a certain point, this becomes so significant that you're going to see the league put Deshaun Watson on the commissioner exemplist. So whoever has him on the roster is going to end up paying him to not play. I have a feeling that's where it's going to end up at some point before football season begins. It's all about PR for the league, Mike, and they do these things on a PR basis, you know, and we've seen the stories, right? There's how many of, I don't know how many you've written, Mike, but there've been a bunch of stories over the last two or three days on this and they keep coming one after another uh, so that's not a good look for the NFL. So, yeah, at some point they address this from a PR standpoint. All right, let's take a break. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff meeting with the media in their new cities today. We'll talk about some of what they had to say when this Friday edition of PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Seeing him now, I do expect Jared to come in and start to be our starting quarterback. Um, I don't see anything other than than that. And then in respect to where we're at at seven overall with the draft and 
regarding the quarterback position is, like I've told you guys previously, and it hadn't changed, that, you know, when you're picking inside the top 10, you're not in a position to ignore any positions. You're just not. So, you know, the quarterback position is, is very important. And if, and if the value's there and if the, the right guy's there, then, you know, he, he'd be in heavy consideration with the right players there and, and the values there. But uh, so this doesn't change anything um, that we've spoke about previously regarding the draft. And But uh, we do expect Jared to come in and compete to be the starter. Come in and compete to be the starter. That's a weird way to put it when you bring in Jared Goff, the former number one overall pick in the draft, a guy who took a team to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And Brad Holmes, I think, handling it the right way as he describes the options with the seventh overall pick. You don't want to box yourself in to anything. You want to keep your options completely open because ultimately, Shireen, what you want to have the ability to do is say, the guy we got is exactly the guy we wanted. Yeah, and, you know, they pass on a quarterback. I keep going back to that, Mike, but they passed on the quarterback at number three overall last year, and that could have been Justin Herbert. You could have had him. You could have had your franchise quarterback. You wouldn't have had to make this trade. So, you know, if they get the chance and they like the guy who's there, they've got to draft him. And it's a situation like Justin Herbert had last year where he came in and sat behind Tyrod Taylor and was supposed to sit for longer than what he did. But as it turned out, Tyrod Taylor got the bad shot on the long and he was out of the lineup and now replaced by Justin Herbert and he Wally pipped him. So, If you have that pick and you like that guy, to me, you have to draft the quarterback. It's just too important of a position in the NFL that you don't pass on that guy. And, hey, if if Jared Goff does what Aaron Rodgers did and plays with the chip on his shoulder and has a great year, then maybe you look to trade that young guy down the road a year or two and get more picks for him. So I just don't think you can pass on that quarterback if he's there, regardless of what you feel about Jared Goff. Goff spoke to reporters today. He says he has no ill will toward the team that made him the first overall pick, paid him a bunch of money, and then hot potatoed his contract right out of town. Here's Goff. (laughs) And I'm so thankful for my time there. I I had so many great memories, made so many great friends, have so many great former teammates from there. And, um, you know, there's so much I learned there. And it's it's there's no uh, no ill will. I, I, I want, you know, to move forward with my life and my career. And this is the next chapter. It starts today. But um, you know, I had I had so many great times there, and, and I'm thankful for for everything that went on there. Look, it's it's hard for him to say anything other than that, to do anything other than take the high road, because they paid him a ton of money twice. They paid him the slotted number one overall pick contract, and then they paid him thirty three and a half million a year after three seasons in the NFL when they clearly shouldn't have. So, if 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 someone paid me that kind of money and I didn't live up to it and all they did was try to get out of a bad situation, what ill will would I have for them? I'd feel guilty. Sorry I didn't live up to the faith that you had in me. I doubt that that uh, Jared Goff is, is in a position to strenuously object to that assessment that the Rams have. So, yeah, he got a ton of money and now he gets a fresh start and there's no reason for him to be upset with anyone. First time he's played outside the state of California, Mike, on the team that he's on. Obviously, he's played games outside the state of California, but on the team he's on. So he does get a fresh start with Detroit, and and they do see this as a rebuilding process. So 
It's amazing how that Lions team has transformed since Caldwell was there just a few years ago, you know, and they had some good teams and they had some chances to win a playoff game and obviously couldn't get that done with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, with Calvin Johnson at receiver and some other great parts they had on that team. Couldn't get it done and probably shouldn't have ever moved on from Jim Caldwell. They should have kept him as their head coach and who knows where they will be now, but they made that decision and now they are where they are, which is why the coach and the GM have gotten long-term deals because it's going to take a while to rebuild this roster, Mike. New Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford still feels weird to say it, even though we've known it for a couple of months. Yeah. He addressed the media today, and he he talked about his uh, his feelings about being on a team that uh, has accomplished more, let's say, than the Lions have in recent years. You know, they, they were definitely, um, you know, a team that I was really interested in. Obviously, past success, I mean, it's a team that's been extremely successful. It's something I was looking for was a, the ability to step into a, to a team that, you know, was, uh, you know, shown that showed the, uh, the ability to win and, and win right now. And, and um, there's a ton of great players here, um, a great coaching staff, uh, an atmosphere of winning and, and something I'm, you know, excited to be a part of now. I want to take a second to. Re- now. That wasn't a press conference per se. That was the old exclusive interview with the employee of the team website, which makes it, frankly, an inner office meeting, but uh, or intra-office meeting. Got to get that right. But uh, look, a lot of Lions fans were upset by the characterization that he's now in an atmosphere of winning. Well, this is a team that's consistently been in the playoffs. This is a team that's been to a Super Bowl, something the Lions have never done. The Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991, and they actually commemorated that in 2016. The 25th anniversary, the last time we won a playoff game, that continues to be not something you should brag about. Uh, so, yeah, he, he traded an atmosphere of not winning for an atmosphere of winning, Shireen. He was part of it. He was part of it. He's responsible, but now he's in a place where even without him, they were winning, and he's better than the quarterback they had. It it is interesting, Mike, that the Lions bid a, I guess it was a thank you rather than a farewell, but that video they produced was fantastic because Matthew Stafford was so ingrained in Detroit, both outside the organization and within the organization and what he did. But I'll ask you this, Mike, and I keep going back to it. I know what Sims thinks, but do you think that Matthew Stafford is a significant upgrade over Jared Goff? That's the first question. And the second one is, is there a player in the NFL with more pressure on him going into this year than Matthew Stafford? As a thrower, I think Stafford is dramatically better than Goff. Goff has a funky Phillip Rivers throwing motion. He doesn't move well. And I still hold against him the fact that, as we talked about yesterday, Brandon Cook's wide ass open in the end zone in Super Bowl 53, and he didn't see him, even though I suspect they talked at length about the fact that they were going to go back to that play in the second half of the loss to the Patriots. So, yeah, I think Stafford's a significant upgrade as a passer. But, but, I, I still have concerns about Stafford from an intangibles standpoint. Because you think of the other great quarterbacks of the past 20 years, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes hasn't been around long enough to fall into this category. Russell Wilson. We'll put Russell Wilson in there too. Obviously great quarterback of the past 20 years. Would those guys who have shown us true greatness and desire for greatness, would they have tolerated this revolving door of mediocrity that the Lions have had for the duration of Matthew Stafford's career. 
at some level, it has always struck me as odd that Stafford just seemed to be okay with the fact that the Lions were at best just okay. Other quarterbacks would have taken it upon themselves to make it better or eventually gone into someone's office and said, I can't do this anymore. Get me the hell out of here sooner than 12 years into their careers. That's the thing that keeps nagging at me. Does Matthew Stafford have that fire that drove Tom Brady from New England to Tampa Bay and drove the Buccaneers to a championship in the first year? I think the answer is no. The question is how much of that can the Rams work around in L.A. and will it manifest itself there? Yeah, he's got to be a better leader, certainly, than he was in Detroit. Nobody questions his toughness, and you saw that in the video that the Lions produced. He is as tough as they come, Mike, but he's got to be a better leader and step up for that Rams team and that Rams offense to match what they have on defense if they're going to do what they traded for him to do in Los Angeles. He's got to be a leader, not a better leader. He's got to be a leader. And, and I think that's the key. Um, all right, let's take a break. When we return, we're going to answer some of your questions on this Friday edition of PFTPM. We'll be back with that right after this. Friday afternoon, bad news. Dump time for the National Football League. The Vikings, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune, forfeiting their seventh-round pick in the 2021 draft for a salary cap violation relating to a practice squad player's contract in 2019. The Vikings lost the the 242nd overall pick, and three Vikings executives were fined $10,000 apiece. That's all that's been reported so far We'll have a full update as more information becomes available at profootballtalk.com. It's just amazing, Shereen. You don't hear about this very often. The biggest salary cap violation I remember was with the Broncos when they did some things they shouldn't have done to help to hold their team together back during the Elway years when Mike Shanahan was the coach. Yeah, you don't hear about them very often, Mike, and they're usually big news when they do happen just because we don't ever hear about them. So, yeah, losing a seventh-round pick doesn't sound like a lot, but you find a lot of players in the seventh round, Mike. All right, there's a question from Skull Vikings 407 about uh, the Vikings. Do you see Patrick Peterson having an end-of-career resurgence with Minnesota just like Darrell Rivas did in New England? He may not have the speed anymore, or can you see him being moved to safety at some point during the season? Peterson has said he's willing to move to safety. Going into free agency, I was told the teams that were interested in him were interested in him purely as a corner. Now, the Vikings have Harrison Smith. We don't know what's going to happen with Anthony Harris. He's a free agent. His name has not come up at all this week that I've noticed. But I think Patrick Peterson instantly comes in and becomes one of their best corners simply because they don't have many. They have a need there. I don't know how he's going to hold up, but he's probably going to hold up better than their other options, Shireen. Yeah, you know, this is an interesting signing, Mike, based on what he's done over the last couple of years. I mean, he's only 30 years old, but gosh, it seems like he's way older than that. And a guy that we're probably going to be discussing for the Hall of Fame when you consider how good his career was over his first eight seasons in the NFL. He was an eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. He made the All-Decade team. I mean, he did a lot. He was truly one of the best corners, but he hasn't been that guy in several years now. It's been a long time. 2018 was the last time he went to the Pro Bowl. So I have seen decline from him. Maybe this is a rejuvenation for him going to Minnesota. 
But yeah, moving to safety probably seems like something that would benefit him. If not this year, it doesn't sound like that's going to happen this year. But after this year, certainly. What do PED violations do to a guy's Hall of Fame case? I'm not trying to be a smartass. I mean, he had a six-game suspension for testing positive for a banned substance and the masking agent two games on top of it. So the masking agent failed in that it was detected and it failed to mask the PED. I think it's something you have to discuss. Unlike the Baseball Hall of Fame, you know, they've they've just taken these guys and just removed them completely. The NFL will discuss them. And I don't truly know that we've had a guy who's come up that's served a suspension. Antonio Gates may be the first guy who's going to come up that we get to talk about who served a, a suspension like that. But it will be interesting to see how it's handled uh, in the conversations in that room because I think he will be in there and be discussed. And you do have to consider it. No question about it. A Red Zone Alk has a question. Does the current market for receivers make it more likely that Larry Fitzgerald will retire? I'm going to take first crack at this one. I say it doesn't matter because if he plays, he's going to be playing to try to get a ring. What he makes won't matter. I could see him going to Tampa Bay. I could see him going to Kansas City. And that comment from November when he said if the Arizona Cardinals win the Super Bowl, he'll retire. It was odd at the time because it's not like they were a Super Bowl favorite. But that may have been his clue that one more year with a Super Bowl contender. It's not like it's going to burn any bridges in Arizona where I think he he may have some political aspirations to be a senator at some point. I haven't heard that. I just kind of have that feeling, and I think he'd be very good at it. It's a compliment. It's not like he's going to lose his fan base in Arizona if he goes to Tampa Bay for one year and happens to win a Super Bowl. And you know what else he can do, Mike? He can just bide his time, right? And wait and see how everything plays out. Get through training camp. Don't go through training camp with the team. Maybe even get into the season and see how the season is playing out. Who looks like the best team? Who gives you that best opportunity to go win a ring and do it then? So it's not going to surprise me if we don't hear anything about a retirement announcement from Larry Fitzgerald and and we don't hear anything about him signing with the team either. And this thing, thing just plays out over the next few months. That's a great point. You don't have to sign in July or August or September or October or November. You can wait and just and, and just make sure that you're getting on a team that truly is a contender for a Super Bowl championship before you decide that that's where you're going to go. Here's where we're going to go. Quick break. When we return, some of the tidbits that I picked up today for the new TV deals and what they mean moving forward. We'll do that when this Friday edition of PFTPM wraps up right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Yesterday, the new TV deals were announced for the National Football League. Today, the commissioner had a conference call with the owners in advance of the league meetings coming up in a week and a half or so, and some things that emerged then that didn't come out yesterday that are are worth uh, talking about. Shereen, let's start with the Monday Night Football flex. I thought that what the league was going to consider doing was doubleheaders late in the year, and then as we get close to the end of the season, you decide which one is the the later Monday night game on ABC, which one's the earlier game on ESPN. As it turns out, it's a true flex starting week 12, 12 days notice. Games from Sunday can go to Monday. Game from Monday can go to Sunday. That's an issue, not just for the teams who all of a sudden have to make new arrangements, hotel, travel, and whatnot. That's an issue for the fans coming into these games from out of town. Hey, the Monday night game, going to Pittsburgh that Monday night. I'll take Monday and Tuesday off of work, got the hotel set up, and then you find out 12 days in advance, oops, that game's going to be Sunday at 1 o'clock. That's going to be a problem. And I know it's easier to resell tickets now than ever before, and the NFL's found a way to make a cut of that, so maybe they won't be upset about someone having to go to Steelers.com that day and resell their tickets. But this isn't the height of customer service to put fans in a position where their expectations get torn up late in the year because a game was flexed to Sunday from Monday or to Monday from Sunday. And you know what it tells you, Mike? Just what you said. They care more about the eyes on the TV sets than they care about fans in the stands. That is obvious, and that's been obvious with these TV deals, and it was obvious last year when they didn't have fans in the stands, and they did it all on TV, and it was all about TV and all about ratings, Mike. The headlines from yesterday create the impression that there's long-term stability to, through 2033 with these deals, which gives the fans, you know, it's just it, it feels good, right? It's comfortable. Hey, they've got it all figured out. We don't have to worry about these issues. Well, every one of these deals has an early out seven years in, and I guarantee you, Shireen, that out will be exercised. The only way it's not getting exercised is if the audience craters between now and the NFL, and, and then and the NFL looks at it and says, thank God we've got these current deals. Everything's going to be bigger and better for the NFL in seven years. All those deals are going to have the plug pulled, and we're going to be doing this again before the end of the decade. It always is, Mike, and the NFL can always go back and get more money because they have. And I know Mark Cuban, Dallas Mavericks owner, said a few years ago, what is it, hogs get slaughtered, but they haven't gotten slaughtered yet, and the deals just keep getting bigger and bigger, Mike. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and the hogs are still at the trough. Uh, The Cowboys will be in primetime seven times per year now because the rule has been changed to allow any team to be in primetime up to seven times per year. Makes sense. There will be 17 games. This is the latest evidence of it. Seven primetime appearances to go along with the extra primetime or the extra regular season game. Yeah, last year, Mike, was the first time the Cowboys didn't max out on the max number of appearances on on Sunday night, Monday night football. They probably will max out going forward. They'll probably have seven, all seven of those 
most years unless they're coming off a really bad season. Amazon gets a wild card game if it meets certain viewership thresholds. That's going to be the challenge in the NFL for Thursday Night Football. Trading revenue for eyeballs. Amazon will now have an incentive to maximize eyeballs, and if they do enough, they get a wild card game. And lastly, Roger Goodell took time to praise Robert Kraft for his role in this. He is a master at having good relationships with the right people. He has relationships with the right people, Shireen, at all of the networks, and he worked for eight months spending a lot of his time on behalf of the league getting these deals done, and uh, here we are with record-setting deals. And you know... Pat Bolin and Jerry Jones went into the Hall of Fame based on what they did on TV. This could put Robert Kraft into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it, it feels like it's just a matter of time. All right, it's a matter of time before we're back on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you in a few days. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean... Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.